Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner, and in the co-host chair today is none other than John Adaroda, host of the Damage Report. And John, I saw you bop into our theme song. I love, I love it. It's such a good theme song. Every time like I hear it, I think, oh, is it time to replace mine soon? Soon. I really like yours. Thank you. I do too. It's, it's it's a magnificent walk on the stage song. I love it so very <laughs> much. So John, we're so glad to have you here on Unboss. What's popping over there at the Damage Report? Uh, you know, devastating climate reports coming out. Uh, bad news for autonomous driving. We've just been trying to catch up. I was gone last week, so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Apparently, a president or ex-president might be arrested soon. It's just it's unprecedented times, Nina. Definitely unprecedented times. We're gonna be on a roller coaster ride of several lifetimes coming up here really, really soon. But we're so glad to have you back. You can't stay away for too long next time. Nope. So today, John and I are gonna dive into reckless capitalist banks. They have received socialism once again because guess what? Big corporations get socialism and individuals get nothing at all. And then Macron over in France, he survives a no confidence vote after upping the retirement age. He had to pull some tricks, but he he survived for now. And today is the day, will President Donald J. Trump be arrested? Some inquiring minds want to know. Now, don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time viewing Unbossed. Thank you so much and welcome. If you are a regular viewer, why don't you tell other folks about the good news? Both your friends and your frenemies do that for us, won't you? Uh, we are going to start off with socialism for the rich. The system in America is absolutely rigged. And we must not continue along this course, America. We cannot continue to be like lambs led to the slaughter. Let's take a look at this IG post from the one and only Dr. Robert Reich. A society that rushes to bail out banks but doesn't provide universal health care to its people is politically and morally corrupt. Amen to that, Dr. Robert Reich. We can add so many other things to that. Check out this headline from a recent article that Dr. Robert Reich wrote, The Undeserving Rich, Putting the Bank Bailout in Context. So let's go deeper. Dr. Robert Reich contends that the bailout of those two small banks, two small banks, Silicon Valley and Signature Bank, exposes the deep-seated inequity in America, and it continues to widen. On purpose. This is not happening, folks, by accident. It is indeed happening on purpose. And that purpose is through public policy and inaction of elected officials who respond more quickly to their owner donors than they will to anybody else. So let's go ahead and go to school, the school of Dr. Robert Rice, shall we? Dr. Rice writes, markets depend on who has the power to design and enforce them. Deciding what can be owned and sold under what terms, who can join together to gain additional market power. What happens if someone cannot pay up, how to pay for what is held in common and who gets bailed out. All right, that's lesson number one. Let's go on to lesson number two. These are fundamentally moral judgments. Different societies at different times have decided these questions differently. It was once thought acceptable to own and trade human beings, to take the land of indigenous people by force, to put debtors in prison, and to exercise vast monopoly power. 
So Dr. Robert Rice is just really laying out that the situation that we find ourselves in again, let me dress this up for you, is on purpose. And that purpose is based on policy and that policy decisions are decided by elected officials who are in office who should care about the United States of America. But they have shown themselves, John, very much willing, ready and too able all the time, most of the time, like 99.9% of the time to answer to the United Corporate States of America. Yeah, and to do it readily, to do it enthusiastically. Like there is certainly a case to be made that, you know, absent context, one of the things a government might need to do is to bail out financial, you know, organizations like banks. That's of course ignoring the context of how exactly individual banks or groups of banks at particular times get into the the the, the you know, the mistakes that they make. Much of which is due to willful behavior on the part of executives and individual bankers that know that even if everything comes crumbling down, they're not gonna be held liable in any way. And a lot of it is facilitated along the way with deregulation that government is a willing participant in. But that said, yeah, they might in some cases need to to do something about when banks fall apart. There are, there are pensions that rely on these and that sort of thing. It's just we get to take note of how quickly they jump to action. If a bank falls apart and there's potentially consequences from it, there's very little debate. You, you get after it, you know. But if but if people are suffering in a systemic fashion for literally decades, well, that's regular people. You know, we don't need to do anything about that. We'll we'll maybe talk about it during campaigns or something. We might eventually get around to it at some point. Um, and so that's like it is insult to injury to see uh, how the how different priorities are, are adjudicated and prioritized by the government. Yeah, very much so. And they definitely leave no doubt that everyday people of this country certainly come last. Now, Dr. Robert Reich, also in that same article, he asked us to consider some very important questions. And we should consider those questions. Let's look at part one of what he asked us to consider. It is, is it morally acceptable that the typical worker's wage has stagnated for the last 40 years, while most of the economy's gains have gone to the top? Do we believe that people who are rich are succeeding because of their own inherent worthiness or because the game is rigged in their favor? Have people who are poor failed or has the system failed them? Let's go to part two of the questions that Dr. Robert Reich is asking us to consider. Is it morally acceptable that the pay of American CEOs has gone from an average of 20 times that of the typical worker 40 years ago to over 300 times today? Are the are the dozens of Wall Street who in the 1950s and 1960s earned modest sums, but are now paid tens or hundreds of millions annually really worth that much more than they were worth then. I mean, all of these questions are certainly ones worth us asking America. And we should ask ourselves that in a very deep way. And before we start clutching pearls and clutching ties and hanging on to whatever politician is your flavor for the day, you gotta ask yourself, are the rules of the financial game game set up in such a way that you, your family, your community, those that you love can benefit 
or is it rigged to answer to the will of the people who are among the ultra ultra wealthy in this country and the hell with everybody else? Those are the questions that Dr. Robert Reich is asking us to answer. And so now we go to Ralph Nader who weighs in on this as well. And put up this tweet from Ralph Nader. Once again, government socialism bails out reckless capitalist banks with GOP and Democratic Party support. So far, three capitalist banks saved and counting. Together, regulation needed from Congress to control large bankers' greed. I mean, they don't hesitate, John. I mean, this and, and this in lies the problem. It is the speed at which they come to rescue these banks. And while some of the largest players who had money in these banks, they can simply go ahead and skip to the loo to another bank. There are a lot of smaller business owners and individuals who can't just skip to the loo and go to another bank. I mean, they actually lose. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And look, I think that there are sometimes cases in which People oversimplify some of the differences between the parties and imply that they're exactly the same. But this is a great example of how they are basically indistinguishable. Oh, yeah. um, and and durably over time, they, they will they will both jump with basically no questions to the defense of these banks now in the same exact way that they did, you know, a decade and a half ago. Um, and what's amazing along the way is. Uh, right wingers have some have been trying to pitch themselves as populists over the past few years, and in particular, populists who are against some sort of vaguely defined, shadowy, amorphous elite or deep state. Like, if that exists, and if that's something that needs to be stopped, this is obviously an instance in which the the interests of that elite are being uh, served, and yet. Like are are right winger are regular right wingers angry about this? Do they think it's not weird that all of this money is going to be shipped out the door with basically no conversation whatsoever? And in this particular case, one of the banks with um with SVB, they um they were initially when they were talking about it falling apart, they tried to tie it into like woke like woke corporate governance yeah. and and all. So like they were holding it up as this is uniquely a bank that failed because of how woke it went. And yet they're dishing out money to, to save it and to save people that invested in it, again, with very little conversation. And so what should generate cognitive dissonance in all the right wingers who were sort of cheering along these attacks against that bank over the past few weeks, suddenly they just, they move on, they don't care. They don't find this to be particularly weird. And why would they, if neither the Democrats or the Republicans are focusing on it? And when Fox and MSNBC and CNN are again, doing the bidding of these people, they're not even gonna hear that this is a conversation that we could be having. Yeah, conversation indeed and something actually needs to be done from a policy and a regulation perspective so that we don't keep going through this. I thought we learned a lesson in 2008, but it is clear that we have not. And Ralph Nader believes that this is just the beginning, that this thing is not over. He write, he further writes, or check out you know, this headline, reckless capitalist banks rescued by government socialism. Again, the financial system gets another bailout. And then he further writes, once again, government socialism ultimately backed by taxpayers is saving reckless mid-sized banks and their depositors. Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in New York greedily mismanaged their risk levels and had to be closed down. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC, in return to avoid a bank 
panic and a run on other mid-sized banks went over its $250,000 insurance cap per account and guaranteed all deposits no matter how large, which are owned by the rich and corporations in those banks. Now you need to underline that bold and underscore that. Uh, Mr. Nader goes on to write, permitting such imprudence, imprudent risk taking flows directly from Trump GOP congressional weakening of regulations in 2018, which was supported by dozens of Democrats as John laid out. This was a bipartisan thing here led by bank today, a bank toady Senator Mark Warren, Democrat from Virginia. That bipartisan deregulation provided a filibuster proof passage by the Senate. But Lord have mercy on all of our souls. We could not get a filibuster proof anything to increase the minimum wage to a living wage. We couldn't get a filibuster proof anything to stop the expiration of the child tax credit. We couldn't do any of those things, but we could get a filibuster proof way to allow mid-sized banks to do whatever they want to do without consequence. Now to the parents out there, how many of you would let your children do anything that they wanted to do without consequences? You have rules and you have regulations that must be followed. But you talk about the banks and the big corporations, no rules and regulations because they know that big daddy and big mama is coming to their rescue whenever they call. And you know who big daddy and big mama are? It is the government. The taxpayers, we are it and we have politicians doing bidding in our name to our very demise. If you are not among the ultra, ultra, ultra wealthy, things like this hurt you and there's no consequence for these folks. Ralph Nader goes on, the other culprit ooh, we is the Federal Reserve. It's very fast interest rate hikes reduce the asset value of those two banks holding in long term treasury bonds, which reduce their capital reserves with the what me worry snooze of the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. And really, really nice long name, but doing absolutely nothing. SVB had little supervision from state regulatory examiners and compliance enforcers. So the state not doing their job, the feds are not doing their job. The kids are just running wild, right? Without consequence. And the Federal Reserve, let me get back to the federal government, is being reserved, uh, being ran by a Trump appointed person. Let's look at how him and Senator Elizabeth Warren did the dance a few weeks ago, shall we? Yes, we shall. If you continue raising interest rates as you plan, unemployment will be 4.6% by the end of the year. It's, it's not just an a intended consequence. It's well, not but it is, and it's in your report, and that would be about 2 million people. As black and white as it very, just very Just looking at the numbers, it actually yeah, no, is no. pretty black Alan Bliner's written a book on this. And, there have and been 12 times that yeah. we've seen a one-point increase in the, in the unemployment rate in a year. How many times did the economy fail to fall into a recession after doing that out of 12 times. I think the number is zero. I think the number is zero. That's exactly right. Ah, oh, Senator Warren did that dance. She won that. She was in she was the lead of that dance. And then recently she is calling for Jerome Powell to be fired. Watch this. My views on Jay Powell are well known at this point. He has had two jobs. Uh, one is to deal with monetary policy. Yeah. One is to deal 
with regulation. He has failed at both. Right. Would you advise President Biden to replace him? Look, I, I, I don't think he should be chairman of the Federal Reserve. Well, Senator Warren was crystal, crystal clear about how she feels about Mr. Powell. And the designated watcher was not watching so much so that insiders knew about the troubles that these banks were having. And they decided they were gonna get out right before the bottom totally fell out. Ralph Nader goes on to say, actually big depositors sniffed the shakiness of these two banks and acted ahead of the regulatory cops with mass withdrawals that sealed the fate of SVB. Imagine SVB was given out bonuses hours before its collapse. For this cluelessness, the bank's CEO Gregory Becker took home about $11 million in pay last year. Put John up next to me, you know what John? <laughs> It must be mighty nice, and I mean this, mighty nice to be able to fail your ass up the chain and walk away with $11 million when you have failed. I don't know of any everyday worker in this country that could fail up and not lose their job, less known walk away with a bonus. It's truly amazing. Um, I don't, you know, as a person who's ever made eleven million dollars in a year, I don't fully understand it. Um, I would like to experience it just so I know what it's you like for, for, you for opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I just want to be able to comment on it with some real world experience. But no, it's amazing. Like we were raised on fantasies of like with great power comes great responsibility. No, not not really, not generally. Like it's weird how you can have these massive upsides in terms of pay and opportunities. And it almost never ever comes with great risk as well. Even to something amorphous and illusory like reputation. Generally, we were reminded of that with the uh, you know the 20 year anniversary of the Iraq war. Like all these people had these big platforms that were calling for the war, got it totally wrong, didn't really hurt any of them. Um, and when it comes to the pay, like if you're gonna be given on the upside, if it works out 10, 20, 100 million dollars in a year, if you fail, how is that not the end of your career? But which by the way, you'd be fine afterward because you made so much money, you never need to work again anyway. That's but that's right. generally never how it works and it is so goddamn frustrating. It is, yet meanwhile, workers who are trying to unionize, get harassed, get fired. You have a Congress, especially the 117th Congress when Democrats had all the power. Cuz we know how the Republicans are rolling, they faux populists. They really don't care about workers and their rights and their ability to be able to collect the bargaining. But in the 117th Congress, we really did have an opportunity, should have passed the PRO Act. But no, that doesn't happen. So everyday people who are really making this country run, they get trampled upon and people like this dude, he gets to fell up and he gets a bonus of $11 million. I'm with John. I want to be able to talk about this from real world experience. Hello, somebody. <laughs> yes, we do want to do that. Now, Mr. Nader does predict that the roller coaster ride of foolishness and mayhem, to quote Amy Villella, is not over, unfortunately. Let's put this up, team. Finally, all those brilliant economists, and he's not talking about Dr. Robert Reich or Dr. Stephanie Kelton, they are brilliant economists, or Dr. Derek Hamm. They're not talking about them, they're talking about these other economists. Finally, all those brilliant economists at the Federal Reserve surely must know that when mid-sized banks lose almost 20% of the value of their 10-year treasuries due to the very fast interest rate hikes by Jerome Powell's Fed, trouble is on the horizon. Why didn't they anticipate this outcome and do some foreseeing and forestalling? Nah, why worry? 
then you know that the Fed prints money. Go ahead on between between Dr. Robert Reich and and Mr. Nader, they laid this out tremendously. We are going to stay on top of this, folks, because this is really y'all know I got a sin and a shame category. This goes into the sin and the shame category. All right, John and I are taking you to France, baby. Well, we wish we really take you to France, but in our <laughs> minds, we're going to France as the revolutionary protests in France continue over Macron's decision to force the retirement age from 62 to 64, Macron was levied with a no confidence vote. Unfortunately, he's sticking around. Check out this headline, Macron's government hangs on to power after no confidence votes. A bill to increase the French national retirement age to 64 from 62 now becomes law, but opponents vowed to continue their fight amid widespread fury against President Emmanuel Macron. The motion received 278 vote votes, nine short of the 287 needed to pass. The close rate, the close result reflected widespread anger at the overhaul to the pension law at at Mr. Macron for his apparent aloofness and at the way the measure was rammed through the parliament last week without a full vote on the bill itself. A second no confidence motion filed by the far right national rally failed on Monday as well with only 94 lawmakers voting in favor. Well, John, in some ways this man has lived to monk up another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as people pointed out, this is sort of like a dark mirror version of some of the, the the willful choices that he and his people, his administration made in the first term and the reaction that they got uh, was very justified. And now they're experiencing it again. Um, one could say that like they haven't learned any lessons, but I guess they've learned some. They've learned that you know, in theory, if they just don't give a damn and if they just hold strong, um, you know, there's not necessarily accountability for that. You can get close or whatever, but close doesn't stop people from having to grind out a couple more years of labor yes. before they get the retirement that should be their due. Um, people were already furious about this. You know, what is it about to hit the seventh day of protests? I think just about. Um, I have a feeling that that has this this uh, failure of the two votes has probably thrown you know fuel on that fire. It is just. It, look, it's obviously a complex issue that involves a lot of different potential changes, but it's easiest, and I think it makes sense to focus on uh, the, the the change of the retirement age, particularly as we in America are facing the possibility that they're going to try to do that right here. That is like every worker being thrown a prison term. Like, oh, you had this fantasy of someday being able to release the weight from your shoulders and live an actual life with your friends, with your family, pursuing your actual interests, and not just grinding out labor. Um, you know, to to benefit the the uber wealthy, to have two more years added onto that. Like, if anything is going to send you out into the streets, that had better be the thing that does it. And so, I draw at least a little bit of inspiration um, from those who are protesting right now. I, I don't begrudge them the task of trying to reverse this. It's a very difficult thing to do, but just devastating that they're pushing ahead with this when they know how unpopular it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, the people spoke, John, and they spoke loudly. They can't even pretend like they didn't hear them. It wasn't a whisper. 
the people of France were very clear about what they wanted. And in order to pull this off, Macron had to use the constitution to do it. You know, He couldn't even really pull that off through the parliament. He had to go constitution-like and use it against the people. And the protest as you laid out, the protest in France over Macron's decision is, is continuing and God bless them because I hope we take it to the streets here in this country too. And it has drawn millions of citizens across many sectors and it won't slow down anytime soon. The protests and anger across France seems unlikely to abate in the weeks ahead. They appear certain to mark Mr. Macron's second term, just as the yellow vest protest moment marked his first. Behind both movements lurks a resentment of the president's perceived elitism, compounding anger at the specific measures that sparked the protest. Indeed, y'all stay angry, baby, and make it work for you. Cuz the man got a, you know, another election is coming up, right? So, so make them fill it at the ballot box. And here too, we have unrest. People are not happy as John laid out. We have the Republicans threatening. They are threatening to increase the, the, uh, the age by which one could get social security. That has all is ripped with all types of problems. And the quality of life question must be called. Also, if you look at certain ethnic and racial groups, black men, life expectancy. I mean, they might not even live long enough, unfortunately, to even collect social security. Wrap your mind around that. This is classism and racism all rolled up into one, baby. But I digress. Let us go to Los Angeles where teachers are making it known how they are feeling, baby. They are protesting in Los Angeles. Take a look at this. One of the largest school districts in the country is shut down. Thousands of teachers and support staff are hitting the picket lines instead of going into work today. Tens of thousands of students are getting a very long weekend since support staff failed to reach a contract agreement with the Los Angeles Unified School District. The teachers union is walking out in solidarity with them. There it is, baby, solidarity forever. Because unless you got a sugar daddy, sugar mama, I've said it before, I'll say it a million more times, or sugar somebody, you work for a living. And that means we need to have solidarity no matter where you are on that hierarchy of being in the working class. Roughly 65,000 teachers and supporter, support professionals, including bus drivers, cafeteria workers, teaching aides, and grounds workers are expected to walk out from Tuesday through Thursday this week, nearly a year after SEIU Local 99. Go ahead on SEIU. Enter contract negotiations with LAUSD, the second largest school district in the these United States of America. And what these support workers make is, is, specific, is a speck of dust in the grand scheme of things, especially in Los Angeles. We know how high the cost of living is. I can guarantee you they not getting what Gregory getting. They ain't they not getting the $11 million bonus <laughs> far from it. The union is calling just for a 30% pay raise. I mean, that's a bargain pay increase for its members who earn an average of $25,000 per year or roughly $12 per hour. According to the MIT living wage calculator, a living wage in Los Angeles area is more than $21 per hour for a single person with no children and far more for people with children. Are you kidding me? Now I've visited LA many, many times and just on my visits, John, it's very clear that you need more than $12 an hour 
to live. This is about quality of life. This is not just about surviving. They can barely survive on that because of the cost of living. But it seems like the way, not seems, the structure in this country is not designed to ensure that people who are part of the everyday working class, that they have a high quality of life. They want them working until death. Talk about death do us part, like working unto death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you combine these two stories, and it's you know barely struggling to get by for even more years, uh, which is fun. Um, yeah, sometimes we we talk about these sorts of stories, and obviously you know the cost of living can vary widely from one part of America to another. But uh, but this is where I live, so I can tell you that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Twenty five thousand yeah. dollars. This isn't even about quality of life. This is about the ability to live uh, on that pay, which we don't have to speculate about whether that would be possible. I'm sure you're gonna get to the stats about how many have to work multiple jobs. Clearly, it's not possible. Um, And it's not like you're making almost nothing, but hey, whatever. That's the cost of having such an easy, unimportant job that you're doing. The job is critical to raising the next generation. It was already thankless before the increasing cost of living made it so difficult just to, to, uh, just to keep going. Um, they work long hours doing incredibly important work, often having to buy extra supplies themselves. It is insane that someone who is willing to throw themselves into that sort of arena and do that, all, as I said, always thankless work, they should be pay, being paid amazingly well. 30% is, it's. I'm not even sure if that's gonna stop many of them from having to work a second job. Yeah. I'm sure many of them do work a second job. So many people in this country are working two and three jobs just to make ends meet. It used to be that a, a extra job was the extra extra money. You know, it really was just a side hustle that you didn't need it. But now people absolutely need two and three jobs to survive. And if you're in places like L.A. or Seattle, Washington, or Chicago, New York. I mean, this is really the cost of living is extraordinarily high. And Liz Schuler, president of AFL-CIO, this is what Liz tweeted. LA schools must use its 4.9 billion in reserves to invest in staff, students and educators. One in three Los Angeles teachers must work two jobs to survive. And not a single first year educator can afford rent. Jesus Christ, solidarity with U-T-L-A-N or U-T-L-A now and SEIU Local 99. You better believe solidarity. And United Teachers of Los Angeles also tweeted, there are only two parties at the bargaining table fighting for families, students and schools, and neither of them are at LA school. We're fighting for resources for students, living wages for education workers, well-funded public schools, fully staffed schools. America, they're not asking for too much. And what is happening in LA, what happens in LA, what happens over there happens over here. We are all linked to this. Workers must unite, solidarity forever. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show. Now, if you are not a member of TYT, what are you waiting for? Come on, become a member. We are so happy that you're watching the show. Some of you click, you know, you check to subscribe. You you love all of our shows. I know you watch the damage damage report and unboss, but we need you to become a member, baby, so you can get some of them extra bonuses and you see the damage report indisputable, unbossed, the watch list, which comes on right after this show, the Young Turks and bonus episodes. So come on, come on, don't half commit. 
We want you to go all the way <laughs> with this relationship, baby. Come on, become a member of TYT. Now on to your comments, TYT members. Mickey C, hey Mickey C. When I first heard this bank, bank banking story, my first thought was that our government would hop into tank into army tanks to flatten all the people waiting in line for food banks so that they could get the billions to the big banks as quickly as possible. Ooh, Mickey C, you laid that. I could, I could see that visual right there and you right. Mm. That's just how bad that is. It's sad to say, Mickey, you right about that. On Twitch, Jalen, the dragon daddy returns. <laughs> Reported for duty. <laughs> and Pixie Tonic, go get him, Nina. And then we got Jack, Jacko Dragon Agent Smotorota <laughs> is in the house. <laughs> and on YouTube, Super Chat, Henry, love this duel today. Thank you, nice. Nina. Thank you, Henry. And Hoover, Hoover, every single day, baby, you are watching. Thank you so much. It's sad the federal government has solidarity with banks and not the books. You. Hoover, go ahead, pay the teachers. Amen <laughs> to that. Pay the damn teachers all over the country. This is criminal. And you know, John and I were saying, you know, John brought up a very good question. What, you know, ask the parents the question. John, put that out there real quick. What you were, what were you saying in the break? Yeah, if, if you have your kid in a school, do you want that teacher having your kid be one of the things that they think about in a given day before they move on to their second job? Or would you like them to put a little bit of their focus and expertise on the future of your kid? Yeah, something to think about. And you know what? This goes on my sin and the shame list. And I was telling John during the break, it's getting longer and longer. My naughty list is longer than Santa Claus. I'm telling y'all, this ain't right. America's not right. Today is the big day, as Trump himself claimed over the weekend. Trump claimed he would be arrested today and called for protests. Now, I want you guys to know nonviolent protests, they're not illegal. It's only when people get violent. We can't have what happened on January. The six happening again, but you know, his people got a right to protest if they want to. The good news, people listened and showed up. The bad news for Trump, it wasn't the protesters he was looking for. <laughs> Take a look. Interestingly enough, we bring you this live shot here. We know the former president has called for, for protests in a peaceful manner. Many Republicans push back on that, but interestingly enough, it's the opposite side that's outside protesting now, saying insurrection, TikTok time's up, no one is above the law, Trump is guilty. Yeah, well, there it is. I think protest is gonna come in many, many forms other than people standing outside. But you might recognize this all caps message from the former president, what he put on Truth Social. Now illegal leaks from a corrupt and highly political Manhattan district attorney office, which has allowed new records to be set in violent crime and whose leaders is funded by George Soros indicate that with no crime being able to be proven and based on an old and fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors. Fairy tale, the far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Protests take our nation back. Well, John, not not a whole lot of people protesting with with the man. No, he didn't get what he wanted unless he is just a fan of people exercising their first amendment rights and he doesn't care if they're for or against him. He just wants to see people engaging yeah. with the political process, but probably not. Uh that message is so deranged in so many different ways. It was ways hard to read. I mean, it was It was hard 
it's hard to look at with the all caps. Honestly, like I'm surprised you didn't get messages from people being like, "Hey Trump, I'm MAGA, you know, love the white supremacy, but like come on, just capitalize occasionally to add a bit of spice. You're just overwhelming right. my taste buds at this point." Everything is capitalized. You know, Adrian was on the show yesterday. She predicted that nobody was really going to show up today, and her prediction proved to be right. She said, "This is New York, not Washington D.C. Don't bring it here." So, Adrian, <laughs> baby, hopefully you're watching the show. You turned out to be right. So, right off the bat, it's worth emphasizing that while Trump asserted that he would be arrested today, he routinely asserts all types of things that are not based in fact. Trump could soon be indicted by a New York grand jury in connection with the Stormy Daniels hush money payment case. But there is no better time for Trump to make a quick buck. He's never gonna pass that up. Put this headline up, Donald Trump wants his 74 million supporters to sign a petition railing against his potential arrest. Those who sign it are asked to donate $3,300 and more. Damn this man. You know what I'm about to say, unbossed viewers. Mo nerve, as my grandmother would say, Mo nerve than a brass A monkey, baby. That's what she would be saying right now. <laughs> Donald Trump emailed voters on Monday asking them to sign a petition protesting his possible arrest. Signing this petition leads people to a page. And this is not out of the ordinary for politicians. Let me just put that out there. But signing this petition leads people to a page where they're asked to give $3,300 or other suggested amounts of cash to his 2024 campaign. You know, John, in politics, I was taught never let a good crisis go to waste, baby. Mm -hmm. and, and Trump is the master of that. Yeah, I mean, the fact like you're finally facing maybe some brief minimal consequences for one of the affairs that we know about. And you're gonna make millions of dollars off of it. I don't mean just he's gonna ask for them. He probably will raise millions of dollars oh, he's off raise of it. it. It's just, it's so yeah. sad. By the way, can you even donate 33? I thought the limit was like $2,500 individually. Like leave it to Trump to potentially ask many of his <laughs> followers to commit campaign finance violations for him over a charge that has to do with campaign finance violations. That's how the um, man rolls. He got to stay true to who he is, John. He got to stay true. true at all times to who this man is. We cannot make this stuff up. I see the Lifetime movie right now. <laughs> there will be a Lifetime movie over this whole thing. Lord have mercy. The email sent to voters stated the following, John and I are not making this up. They're trying to intimidate you and cancel your vote, which is why the Trump for President 2024 campaign is compiling millions and millions of petition signatures from Americans like you condemning these threats of a possible arrest. Lord, 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 we will keep you posted. This is the story that keeps on giving in all the bad ways. It's not going anywhere, so we will keep you posted. Now, what has the right wing reaction been to what is happening to the former president? It hasn't been great. Representative Jim Jordan had an interesting definition of the situation. Listen to this. We sent this letter to Mr. Bragg saying we want to talk to you. We want to know what's going on here. We want to see the communications that have, that have taken place between the Federal Justice Department and your district attorney's office there in, in Manhattan. Because understand Harris, first they went after President Trump on Russia. Then it was a phone call with Zelensky. Then they wanted his tax returns. Then they go after his business records. Then they go after his children. And now it's some misdemeanor alleged bookkeeping error. That's the congressman called this a bookkeeping error. And then he went on to tweet this. 
Democrats think it's okay for them to examine and defund local police, but not okay for Republicans to examine a local prosecutor in Manhattan abusing his power to take down a political opponent. Please make it make sense. I don't know, John, you rubbing your head. You want to jump in right right away? Let me let me get one more. Let me get one more in. Put John up, put this side by side with John. Let's go ahead and put this on up. Thank you. Imagine if Democrats spent more time working on things like inflation, crime, and the border crisis instead of attacking President Trump. Maybe they actually get something done for once. Uh, Representative Jordan, we could turn that back on you, John. What do you, how are the Democrats defunding local police? How is that a thing that congressional Democrats would be in charge of? That's just it's it's obvious fiction. I love like there's a lot of attempts to not take seriously the substance of what Trump has done, but just a bookkeeping issue. Come on, Jim Jordan, could you at least pretend to acknowledge what this is about? I mean, you may not think that it's as serious as some of his other crimes. Sure. I don't think it's as serious. I, I don't as some either. Of his other. Yeah, yeah, but it is a campaign finance violation and it is about an attempt to make sure that his voters don't know about his infidelity and all that. But Jim Jordan is pretending like he can't see it, like it's like it's a you know a kid that he's responsible for being abused. He just can't see it happening. Um but anyway, yeah, I, I don't think that most people are gonna buy that. I don't think that this is gonna sway a lot of people on Trump compared, you know, considering all that we know about him. But we can at least take seriously what it is that he's alleged to have done. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about this. And I often say this about other states when their representatives are making a fool out of themselves. So I gotta say this, Ohio, get your representative. <laughs> I gotta say that, it pains me so much, but I got to. So take a look at what the right wing radio stated. This is Trump, let's take a look. That the criminals, the criminals in this country, if you want them held accountable, the criminals are Barack Obama. Eric Holder, Susan Rice, all this entire criminal cabal and put all of them up against a concrete wall, just like Ceausescu. Did y'all hear what this Santilli dude just said? He's crazy, he's a conspiracy theorist, but nonetheless, a radio host with a platform. So why is he not being arrested for saying those things? He is literally naming the names of formerly elected officials, public figures that he wants to be attacked violently, like shot up. But what about someone with a little more more audience than that crazy deranged dude? Where here's Jesse Waiters, he went on, this is what he went to say, what he said about the situation. And if he's the nominee, you're putting 74 million votes in prison. And that's how I see it. Really? On a bookkeeping charge. He put a payment to a woman in the legal column. That was in the wrong column. Hillary put the dossier in the same column and she got a fine. Lord help us all. So John, I mean, your point is well taken about, they might think that this is like the wrong thing to go after. Well, they don't want them going after Trump anyway. They might not agree with this thing, but the way they're framing this is quite stunning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%, so if you, pursue him on any of these crimes that he's plausibly committed, then you're canceling out 74 million votes. But if you impeach Biden, if you investigate Biden, if you lock him up or you know put him up against a concrete wall and gun him down as dictators do, that's not canceling out the 9 million more votes than he got over Trump. Again, we're wasting our time by implying that there should be consistency in politics. Clearly, they don't think that there is. 
Um, and it's not just a bookkeeping thing. This wasn't an error in which column in Excel he put it in. As we talked about this morning on TDR, he had his fixer take out a home equity loan to pay off a woman that he then reimbursed in multiple small payments, all of it designed to conceal how much was being transferred and for what. That's exact it was a multifaceted attempt to defraud the American people. Yeah, it wasn't he broke New York law. So again, we can debate whether, I mean, there's a whole laundry list of things that Trump could go down on. I'm scratching my head over this one too. But these right wingers are out of their minds. And that Santilli guy, feds, do y'all hear what the man just said? Y'all need to go get him. All right, go and get him. Oh, I'm sighing deeply on this. We're gonna move on. We have a <laughs> WTF neoliberal moment coming up for you. Joe Manchin is calling Biden's agenda progressive and radical. I mean, it's laughable. And it has me asking WTF neoliberal. So what's this all about? I'm so glad that you asked. Let's put up this headline. Manchin calls Biden's administration's priority absolutely infuriating after ESG veto. Now this was Biden's first presidential veto, which for some reason neoliberals are celebrating like it's the start of a revolution. But I digress, a quick recap of what the ESG is all about. The ESG rule in question says that money managers can factor in climate change and other related factors when making decisions for retirement investments. Conservatives have criticized the rule calling it quote woke. These fools don't even know what woke means. And saying that it infringes on the ability to invest dollars how they want to. That is what they're saying. Conservatives wanted to repeal the rule, but Biden said no. It's no surprise that Joe Manchin, who really is a Republican, is siding with the GOP on this because he's in this, he's in the same, he's in it for the same reasons that they are. Manchin, who was one of the two Senate Democrats to vote with Republicans to overturn the rule on March 1, called Biden's decision absolutely infuriating. In a statement and panned the administration for putting its radical and progressive agenda ahead of the country's needs. My, 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 my. This is where I have to pause, y'all. Manchin is right about one thing. Biden does love putting his agenda ahead of the country's needs. Now he right about that, especially the military industrial complex. But while Biden shuns progressives, true progressives that is, Joe Manchin was given the keys to the kingdom since Biden took office. I mean, he was all up in the White House. He was all up in, I mean, the man just, the president rolled out the red carpet for the shadow president. Let's put this headline up. Biden meets with Senators Manchin Cinema as Democrats try to build support for a $3.5 trillion bill. Are we old enough to remember that? Biden to Senate Democrats, go ahead, put up this headline, lovelies. Biden to Senate Democrats accept Manchin's demands. The president called for the quicker passage of a smaller reconciliation bill that would address prescription drugs and health care subsidies and leave climate till later, John. Yeah, I I mean, is is this president a radical progressive? Well, you know, I I thought it was Greta Thunberg uh, vetoing that bill. And then I was like, oh wait, no, that's Biden. Sorry, I'm confused. Um, I come on your show, Nina, and then you make me talk about Manchin. Come on, that's not welcoming. Uh, (laughs) No, it's incredibly frustrating. As I've said many times, 
it is bad enough as a progressive to never have had a progressive president, to have it be difficult to even conceive of one in the future, to barely have any in the Senate or in the House. But then it's even worse to then be told all of these centrists or center right politicians, 1980s era Republicans, get cold radical Marxist Antifa super soldiers. That is just insult to injury. It's I'm glad that he did this. It is not only on the merits, because of course, look, ESG is complicated or whatever, but even if you just restrict your analysis to you know the, the impacts of climate change and all that, there are major financial fiscal reasons to consider that for the long-term health of these investments. It's not just some woke thing or whatever. Um, but I also am glad that he did it because it reminded me that he was alive. Because weeks and weeks have gone by where I don't remember Biden literally doing anything. I I feel well, like he's so the president. He, he went to the Ukraine and did not come to East Palestine. Still hasn't That's been true. Here. But for latte liberals, as long as he put on them sunglasses to look cool, the symbol of it all, he doesn't have to show any substance whatsoever. And let us not forget the Willow Project. Let us not yep. forget that thing right there. So I don't know. But is his agenda progressive? Well, let's take a real look. Let's go deeper and see if it really is. But to call the man's overall agenda progressive, I know that shadow president Joe Manchin, he wants to throw those words around, but the reality is a lot different. Let's take a trip down memory lane. Take a look at this. I'm a proud capitalist. I spent most of my career representing the corporate state of Delaware. I'm a capitalist. I beat the socialists. That's how I got elected. That's how I got the nomination. Do I look like a socialist? Look at my career, my whole career. There it is, baby. The president himself, look at his career, look at his whole career. Do do I look like a socialist? Hey, he laid that out. That is the truth. So for Joe Manchin to call this president a radical, Progressive is so far off the mark, it is laughable. And let me remind you, radical simply means getting at the root. And this president has not done any of that since he's been in office. Any legislation signed by Biden that has been progressive in a way has been because of the progressive movement. Those everyday movers and shakers out there in the world right now. And it has very little to do even with the so-called progressives in Congress because that progressional caucus is failing. You want to talk about failing up and they don't even get $11 million bonus down, they just fail. <laughs> but overall, the man can't help himself. Let's put up this headline, Biden administration approves controversial Willow oil project in Alaska, which has galvanized online activism. This president said that he would not allow drilling on public lands, but oops, he just said that to get elected. And now that he's elected, he's going back on his word. This next headline, progressive slam Biden's choice for chief of staff as healthcare profiteer. Jeff Zitz built a fortune investing in healthcare companies accused of fraud. You wanna talk about failing up. So when it comes to legislative progressive agenda, the people support. Let's break this down to show where Biden is missing the mark. Universal healthcare, let's put up the graph. Let's see where the American people are on this radical agenda. Majority in the US say healthcare is federal government's responsibility. The over the majority of the American people believe that regardless of political ideology. Boom, that's nearly 60% of Americans who are in favor of some form of universal healthcare. When it comes to the federal minimum wage, let's take a look at that, shall we? Yes, we shall. 62% of Americans support a $15 an 
our federal minimum wage. Most opponents want a more modest increase. How much modest are you going to get if people are expected to live a good life? This is the American people's agenda, shadow president Joe Manchin. And you know what, if it was, if it kept up with inflation, it'd be closer to $25 an hour. And as recently as 2020, when it comes to support for tuition at public colleges being free, boom, let's put up with the re, the Pew Research Center. 60% of, of US adults favor making tuition at public colleges free, including 37% who strongly favor the proposal. 36% opposed tuition free college with 21% strongly opposed. The American people's radical progressive agenda, Joe Manchin, and those are just a few of the policies that are contrary to the capitalist military budget, bloating budget of this current president, Joe Biden. So what Joe Manchin is doing in the short term and the long term run is biting the hand that feeds him and the rest of the capitalists in Congress. I mean, John, I am absolutely stunned that he came after this president like this, his buddy, his pal, his friend. Yeah, after so many just friendly lunches and all of that. Um, no, it's, it, it's a reminder that all of that diplomacy to Mansion is not gonna buy you any loyalty from him in the same way that if you believe that things like Willow and some of the other stuff Biden has done is an att- the, the continuation of the Trump era border policies is an attempt to get credit from the right. I'm not even sure that I believe that. I think that ideologically he's probably he fine with it. some of these things happening. Yeah. Yeah. But if you believe that, it's not gaining him any loyalty from them either. There's no there's no points to be given. There's no credit that's earned. He just does it. They get what they want, and then they go back to calling him a radical socialist. There it is, and he's getting what he wants to, because that's his camp, folks. That is it. And speaking of it, that is our time today. It was so good to have John back on the show. Cannot wait to have Dragon Daddy back. He cannot stay away Thank from you. Unboss for too much longer. Again, the time span, it was just too long. And for each and every one of you, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for all your comments. We couldn't get to them all, but we'll be back tomorrow. You know what I want you to do about this time, baby, baby, baby. I want you to keep the faith. You know I always want you to do that. And Mary, with that faith, I want you to keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.